Hey, what's up guys, Travis here. And if you've been following me or my story for any length of time, you know that I started a company called Guestio about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that we are doing this year in 2022 is we're building a concierge program called the Fast Pass that allows you to get booked on top quality shows and platforms for the purpose of spreading awareness for your brand, grabbing attention, uh, growing your credibility, your authority, et cetera, et cetera. And so if you are listening to this right now and you are a seven figure plus entrepreneur and you have a budget to bring in traffic, attention, credibility, authority to your brand, then this might be a really great program for you. Just head over to travischapel.com slash 10K. Why 10K? Because we guarantee in this program that you're going to be able to speak in front of 10,000 people within 90 days. Okay, 10,000 people within 90 days. Imagine getting on a stage in front of 10,000 people to share your message, your story. That's exactly what we are doing inside of this program through virtual stages like podcasts or virtual events or YouTube channels or blogs. You name it, we are working with it, and we are trying to get you booked on those platforms. So travischapel.com slash 10x. There's a quick application there, and then right at the end of that application, it'll prompt you to set up a phone call where you'll jump on a call with me, and we'll talk through whether or not you're a great fit for this program. Please act fast on this. Do not wait because we are only taking on one or two clients a week due to uh, constraints with our team and the limited supply of high quality shows and platforms that are out there in the market. So if that's you and you're really wanting to explode your brand in 2022, head over to travischapel.com slash 10K, fill out the application, schedule a quick phone call, and you and I will chat really soon about whether or not this would be a great fit for you. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Hey, this is Chad Veach, author of Help, I Work With People. And if you want to learn how to produce world-class relationships, you should be listening to the Build Your Network podcast with my good friend, Travis Chappell. Welcome to the show. I'm Travis Chappell, and I chat with some of the world's top business influencers, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs in order to crack the code of networking. I believe that who you know is more important than what you know, and that your relationships ultimately determine the person that you become. So if you want to learn the new way of connecting, if you want to fill your network with quality people and skyrocket your results, then you're in the right place because this is the Build Your Network Podcast. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Build Your Network Podcast. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of sitting down with Chad Veach. Chad is the founder and lead pastor of Zoe Church in LA, California, dynamic Christian church with multiple locations throughout the city. In addition to leading Zoe, he's an international speaker, the author of two best-selling books, Faith Forward, Future, and Unreasonable Hope, and the host of Leadership Lean In, a discussion-based podcast specializing in organizational health, creativity, and leadership development. Chad and his wife, Julia, reside in Los Angeles with their four children, Georgia, Winston, Maverick, and Clive. Guys, it's going to be an awesome conversation. You know, here on the show, we don't talk a ton about politics and religion, but there are so many key lessons, takeaways that we're going to be able to get from uh, talking to somebody that's as a dynamic of a leader as Chad is. So can't wait to get in that conversation. First off, really quickly, if you are a seven-figure entrepreneur listening to this right now, and you know the impact that a podcast could potentially have for your business, but you're just not exactly sure how to get things going, you don't have the time or the team or resources to dedicate to figure it all out, then let me and my team build a show for you. Head over to travischapel.com slash make my podcast. There's a quick application there. We'll jump on a phone call to see if we'd be a good fit to build out a show for you so that you can focus on what you're good at, which is servicing your clients. And then we can focus on what we're good at, which is building world-class podcasts. That's travischapel.com slash make my 
podcast. Chad, what's up, my man? Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. Man, thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So let's go ahead and dive in, build some context here for those listening who may not know who you are and uh, talk about how you got into all this, man. Let's rewind the clock. Take me back to like, let's say 10, 11-year-old Chad Veach. Like talk to me, family life, culture. What was it like growing up being Chad? I'm a pastor's kid. So this is family business. (laughs) Nice. I was the pastor's kid that was always like running from church and didn't want to do that. And I saw what my dad had to go through and what he was doing. And I was thinking, that is not for me. But when I was 16, I had a moment. I had uh, just a a feeling, a sense that I was supposed to do what my dad did Hmm. with my life. So 16 years old is when I was like, all right, I'm in. I'll do the family business. I'll do the God thing. Was your dad kind of the first generation in your family for that kind of stuff? Or was that, has this been historically? Okay. Yeah, both of my parents came to faith. You know, my mom when she was in high school and my dad when he was in college. My dad had a really rough family life and had a rough upbringing. And when he was in college, he had that same kind of moment and feeling. So, yeah, my dad's first generation. Okay, so you growing up, you never really had any of those desires until you were 16, 17 years old. Yeah, I always, you know, I was always really appreciative of my home, my parents, the values they instilled, the way they lived their life. I respected the people they brought into our home and even church. Like I really liked church. I really liked youth group and camps and all the experience. It was all a good experience. I just was very aware of like sacrifice, serving, dying to yourself, watching my dad get phone calls late at night be like, yeah, I'm going to the hospital right now. Yep. I'm coming to your house because your husband just cheated on you and We've got to work with him and you right now. Like, I just was aware of that and going, I don't know if I want to live for other people the rest of my life. Hmm. So when that changed when you were 16, do you remember it being a certain moment or a certain message or a certain, you know, time that was just showed you that that was what was going to be in the cards for you? Or what, like, what was the thing that made you go down that path? April 26, 1996. I'm in the kingdom, Seattle, Washington. Third deck... 65,000 men are in the kingdom. There was an event in the 90s called Promise Keepers swept through America. And this men's group, they were filling football stadiums with guys. Well, I'm in the kingdom, no exaggeration, 65,000 other men singing. Wow. And I just have this moment where I'm like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Whatever this is, yeah. whatever this message is, this moment here, I'm in. And so, yeah, I remember it like it was yesterday. I know right where I was standing. I remember right where I was. could see the clear picture of the stage and know the song. Like, it was just like life-defining moment. Was there anything that when you decided that that was going to be the path or the direction for your life, was there anything that you were staunchly, I don't know, against or things that you really wanted to change on how you were raised or the version of the... Christianity that you were living at the time? Was there anything like that from how you grew up? Or was it pretty much like, no, this is the exact version that I want to keep putting forward? Yeah. You know, at the time, it wasn't any of those things. It wasn't like, we got to change this. This is dead. This is boring. I don't like this. It wasn't any of those things. In fact, I go back to my high school and I start a prayer group during my lunch period. First day of school, senior year of high school, first day, I say to my buddies, we're going to pray every day during lunch. This whole school year, we're going to pray every day during lunch. We're going to spend 15 minutes eating our lunch, and then we'll go to a room, a classroom, and pray for 15 minutes. First day, three of us. Second day, three of us. Getting to the second week, five of us. Things start small at five, 
10, start snowballing, 15, 20. By about Thanksgiving, there's 30 kids leaving the lunchroom, going to the classroom, praying. By springtime, 100 kids are getting up from my lunchroom. I'd look across the lunchroom, I'd go, hey, let's go. We outgrew a classroom, we outgrew a choir room, we had to go to the gym. And high school, senior, I started, we just started praying for our school. And so I went back, not with trying to change my church, I went back trying to reach my friends. Interesting. Talk to me about next step in your life. Post high school, what was the verdict for you? Was it always like, oh, let's go learn more about this? Or was yeah. it kind of going into internship? Like, what, what was the first thing that was in your head? Yeah, so before the moment of the kingdom, I'm, I'm going to Central Washington University. I want to be a school teacher and I want to be a basketball coach. That was my life trajectory. I want to coach basketball, teach in high school. This happens, we pivot, I'm going to Bible college. So I graduated in 1998, I moved straight to Los Angeles. I live in San Dimas, San Dimas High School football rules, Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. When I'm 19, I get hired at a church in East LA, working with inner city youth. And I would do that for six years. I would stay two years after I graduated college, I would stay and work full time at that church in East LA, it was the time of my life. So it was always the plan like, hey, let's go. We're going to teach the Bible the rest of our life. Let's go learn about it. This episode of the show is brought to you by Indeed. We are driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate is not to search at all. It's to match and match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need this platform, guys. I'm telling you, Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work and use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging candidates so you can connect with those people even faster. And it doesn't just help you hire faster. In fact, 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And look, guys, one of the things that I wish I would have used Indeed for is this matching service. You can search and search and search and search and search all day long, but to actually be presented with quality candidates, like 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 hiring a, a recruiter for you that's presenting people that has actually done the work to vet them and uh, bring quality people in front of you, that work by itself is the fact that it's done by a software instead of like a team of high quality recruiters is is pretty insane. So they leverage over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day, which is why Indeed's matching engine is the best one that you can use. It's constantly learning from your own preferences. So the more you use it, the better it gets at doing the job for you. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility over at indeed.com slash Travis. Just go to indeed.com slash Travis right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed here on the podcast. Indeed.com slash Travis. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And where'd you end up going to school? It was called Life Bible College at the time. Now it's called Life Pacific College. Life Pacific. Okay. And that's in LA. When you look back on your time in Bible college, what were some of your biggest takeaways? What were some of the biggest things that you took from the time in Bible college? Do you mostly see that as like an extremely helpful time for you in transitioning into the ministry? Or do you mostly see that as like, man, I wish I would have just kind of dove more into getting into ministry rather than spending some time in Bible college? You know, Bible college really worked for me. It's a great question. Bible college really worked for me because I was taking class every day from about 730 to noon. 
I'd eat lunch and I had to be at the church by 1 p.m. every afternoon. Now, I think if I just went to class 7.30 to noon, went to lunch and played with my buddies, I wouldn't have done that well. Yeah, yeah. Life is like a sponge. You got to receive and then you got to give. You got to wring all that stuff. So I'm learning about the book of Acts. I'm learning about the gospels. I'm learning about Psalms and David and Moses and Noah and all this stuff. And then I'm going into East LA and serving every single day. So Bible yeah. calls only worked for me because I was learning and giving at the and same applying. time. And applying, yeah, sure. Yeah, so when you got out, was there ever any sort of intention to leave LA? Because that's obviously where you're pastoring now. So was that just immediately like, nope, this is where I'm called. This is where I'm staying. Yeah, you know, I really felt like I'm with this church now. I don't have to worry about school. Let's just focus on reaching the youth of this area. I was a high school basketball coach. I still got the high school basketball coach dreams snuck in there. Nice, nice. uh, It fit with the job description, reaching the kids in the area. So I was in love with it. And then I felt like January 1st, 2004, I felt like God spoke to me. It's time to go back home. There was a church that was asking me to come work. And so I, I just felt like I was supposed to go do that. So March 4th, 2004, I'm driving back up to move back home to Seattle area to work at a church. My mom calls me. She goes, I'm praying for you right now. She goes, and I felt like you're going to come back here to Seattle for a season, but you will one day move back to LA. You will start a church there and you'll live there the rest of your life. And in 2004, I said to my mom, you know, I think that's what I'm going to do the rest of my life. And so I knew moving back to Seattle, I'll be back to LA. Hmm. I'll come and start a church and I'm going to live here the rest of my life. (laughs) Nice. How long did it take you to get back? 10 years. (laughs) 10 years. Took a decade. Took a decade. Awesome. So when you came back to LA, what was the plan? Obviously had to have a plan at this point. You're you're planting a church, taking over a church. What was the... Starting a church. I moved down with my wife and two kids. So that's why it took 10 years. I had to get a wife and a couple kids. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Got to check that box. Yeah. We're on our way down. We're on the I-5 and we don't have a place to live. We're moving. And my wife finds a house on Craigslist. She goes, I think there's a house. We had a friend. We go... Drive by the house, see if it's a good neighborhood. She goes, it's a great neighborhood that the picture's checked out. And they said yes to having us come be the tenants. So we move in September 1st, six years ago. And we spent a couple of years getting ready. And then we started in our living room with 11 people of that year. And we grew the Bible study to 85 people in our home. Until one night, I looked across the living room and I thought to myself, whoever that guy is, he should never be in my house. So the next week we rented a church and we built this core for nine months. And then we launched our church August 21st, 2015 at One Oak off Sunset Boulevard. When you moved into LA, you moved like LA, LA. Were you in Los Angeles when you moved back into LA or was it like yeah, out one of these cities? We moved to Westchester. Westchester. Okay, gotcha. And you started your first service at One Oak? We launched the church off Sunset at One Oak. And at the time, you know, the owner, Richie's good. He's a friend of ours. And so he goes, you could have it for this amount of money every Sunday night. You know, we don't use it. It's fine. It's great. We had so many people show up that night, lines down Sunset Boulevard. The security told us we've never seen more people at this club before. <laughs> the next day, Richie emails and says, you can never have church here ever again. You're too big of a liability. So I emailed him back and I said, liability? My crowd is sober. Your crowd is a liability. (laughs) But he keeps us out of the club. And the next Sunday, we met at the El Rey Theater. We got it on a Friday. 
We had church on Sunday there and we stayed there for about three years. Wow. So 2020 is really year four for you guys then? We're celebrating our fifth year anniversary this August. Okay. So next month, by the time this episode goes live, you guys will be celebrating five years only. And to have been able to to make, and obviously I know that this isn't the reason that you got into this, but to be able to make a name for yourself in a large city like LA as a pastor in that world, you clearly have a good understanding of what it means to be a good leader. And that's what your podcast is about, right? The Leadership Lean In, discussion-based podcast to talking about organizational health, creativity, leadership development. So talk to me about a few of the lessons that you've learned being a pastor in terms of leadership and keeping in mind that the audience on this show is a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of people in business, and a lot of leaders of organizations themselves. What, what are a few of the top things that you can tell us about leadership? First of all, leadership is communication. So you can't be a good leader in a bad communicator. They don't exist. So in order to be a very, very effective leader, you have to become a very, very effective communicator because leadership is by definition communication and leadership by definition is influence. You cannot be a leader and have no influence. No one's following someone they don't respect, someone they don't want to follow, and that will only last for a short while, even if it is someone you don't respect and you don't want to follow. So I think leadership is about learning how do I become a skillful communicator? If you want to communicate, you can get by. But if you learn skillful communication, you can work miracles. Skillful communication is what is really stopping or releasing great leadership. So I learned very, you know, quickly and from a father that communicated very effectively and being around great leaders, I got to get good at communication. The other thing about leadership is leadership is not about me. Leadership is about empowering others. Nobody wants to follow the guy that is the lone ranger or the girl that is the superhero. Leadership is about giving away responsibility, giving away equity, giving away authority. So you have to learn, how do I communicate well? One of the sayings we use all the time in our organization, everything about us says everything about us. So your hygiene, your appearance, your clothing, your shoes, in this culture, everything about you says everything about you. So great leaders are winning before they ever talk. Hmm. So Because they, they calculate, you know, how do I communicate and lead to the best of my ability? Yeah. And no one will follow narcissistic leadership. Yeah. Everyone will follow someone that is genuine and very authentic and sincere and has my best interest in mind. Now, again, if you're listening, you're like, I don't believe in Jesus. That's fine. I get it. But to me, Jesus is the greatest leader in the history of the world. How could you not follow a guy that looks at his guys and says, we got to go to this city because I got to go die for you. How can I not follow a guy that goes, I exist for your good. And where you get leadership wrong is thinking you exist for me. No, Mm. no. Great leadership is I exist for you. I want you to do well. I want you to succeed. Yeah, I want the organization and the group and the team and everything for all of us to win, of course. But I really have an interest in you and your family and your marriage and your children. And you show me a leader that does that and they will have a cult-like following. Yeah, it seems like that's something that you've really been able to master in terms of being able to 
lead from the front of an organization instead of being the guy in the throne in the back shouting orders and telling people what to do. It seems like like what you're talking about, even just with the prayer group, like for a high school kid to stand up and have a bunch of other high school kids follow him to do something that most high school kids don't like to do, which is go pray instead of hang out with their friends. If you can do that in that type of a setting, it obviously means that you are somebody that has that quality, probably in the, in the, some sort of a natural way, right? Some of it's God-given or natural, but a lot of it would also be cultivated and worked on through the course of your career and your studies and things like that. What do you attribute the growth of the movement to in terms of a specific action that you can take as a leader? Again, obviously, I know that we can spiritualize the answer and do these. Let's go with the non-spiritualized answer of how you can inspire that type of action in people that are following you. And even even for something like this, even for like for a podcast or for a content creator, a YouTuber out there who has people following their stuff, but maybe they're not sharing, maybe they're not bringing more people into the world or that community. How do you get people to become evangelists for the things that you're really trying to lead them in? That's a great question. Well, I think, and the first thing that comes to mind is we convinced the people right away that the people were the greatest thing we had going. Hmm. So we never said it's an orator or it's a band or it's lights or any of the stuff that from the outside people go, oh, it's, the, it's those things. We put it into the fabric and the DNA of our people. You are the greatest thing we got. Because hmm. I just believe that. People make a place. And leadership is that thing. Listen, you can't do life well and do people wrong. You got to get people right and then life is really easy. And so I think the reason why we were able to do well is we just made it all about community. Remember, the greatest craving that every human has is connectivity. Mm. The greatest felt need in the world is leadership, connectivity. And so we just tried to do everything we can to go, you're the, you're the solution to our problem. You're the answer. Your home, your availability, your Instagram account. Let's get together. Let's have meals. Let's connect. We call them connect groups. But LA is a lonely city. LA is filled with, it is the city of broken dreams. And the more isolated someone is, the more concerned I am about them. The more connected someone is, the more I am encouraged about them. And so I would just encourage every entrepreneur, every YouTuber, every, everybody that's building a business, make it about the people. The greatest thing that we have going in life is humans. Yeah, no matter what business you are in, you are in the people business. And there's no, there's no way around it. Yeah, there's no way around it. Bottom line. Well, listen, man, I want to be respectful of your time. Let's go and move on to a little bit of a networking conversation. I want to talk about your books as well. This is the question that I've asked every single guest that's ever come on the show, Chad. So I'm, I'm curious to hear what your answer would be for it. Do you believe that who you know or what you know is more important and why? Oh, who you know all day long. It's a cliche saying, but let me repeat it. Your net worth is your network. Yeah. And it's interesting when you were saying this in the beginning of the program, you talk about networking. I'll never forget one day. I was very opposed to networking. Yeah. Maybe like 2007, 2008. One day I felt like I heard God. I know that's kind of a loose term and, you know, people can take it for whatever you want. I felt, sure. I felt, yeah. I felt like I felt something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what I felt was the voice translated in my head said, for where I'm taking you, I need you to network. And I'm like, mm -hmm. network? That's a cuss word. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not going to go, you know, 
green room and try and get in and try and promote my name and just, I don't want to be slimy. I don't want to be that guy that's pushing his product. I just, I don't can't. And I felt like I'm supposed to go out and I'm supposed to just start attending conferences. I'm supposed to go out and just try and meet someone at their book signing. I'm supposed to go out and try and like, you know, fly to go to that meeting. And if I did not say yes to that moment, yeah, I would have lived my life in a very small world and probably would have become in my little small suburb city, what they call big fish in a small pond. I was right. doing really well in my little suburb community. I was really doing well with my little youth group, which I thought was a big deal. It's not. Yeah. But it wasn't until I got out and started meeting people and cross-pollinating and getting around people that were 10 times bigger than me that I started to really realize I can't be great until I get around great. Yep. I love that you said that, man, because that's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. It's the awareness that the potential is a lot bigger than you thought it was. When you meet people like that who came from similar, you know, roots that you came from, or maybe even worse off situations, and a lot of times worse off situations that you came from, who are doing things on a level or just having a much greater impact on the world or society as a whole in the industry or the craft that they are working at. It's eye-opening and mind-blowing uh, once you start getting around those people and start realizing that like, wow, I, I got a lot of untapped potential here. I got a lot of things to work on and good for you and good for all the people that are now in your church that you were the person that made that decision. You know what I mean? And that, that's a lot of times the way that you have to think about it is like, I know that I could stay in the small suburb town, right? Like I know that like my youth group's going to love me and we could do this thing until I'm 60 and it would be great and we would all have a good time. But what about all the people that I haven't met yet? What about all the people that I could have helped? What about all the people that could have been impacted through my work, through the things that, that we're working on here that just never heard any of it because I was too small-minded or too afraid to go take action in a bigger way? So props to you, man, for doing those things. And it leads me perfectly into these next kind of couple questions about the books that you've written and things and the podcasts that you have. How instrumental have tools like that, tools like books, like podcasts, content, how instrumental have those things been in your ability to go build more relationships within your own community? Yeah. As far as me creating books and podcasts? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Game changer. Yeah. I think one of the opportunities we have in life is to never be limited by title. Hmm. You know, it's like if I go play golf in a golf course and someone asks me what I am, what do you do? Because the yeah. LA question, what do you do? Yeah, right. You know, I can answer like seven ways right now. Cause I don't want to get pegged into just like, I'm just a pastor. Right. I'm right. a business owner. I'm a podcast host. I'm an author. I produce movies. I act, you know, it's like choose your own adventure. Yeah. Right. I think, I think we get really uh, stuck when we just try and just do one thing. Of course there's a tension there that you don't want to be a master of none and just good at a bunch of stuff. Uh, there's a tension there, but I do feel like, one of the things that's unique about our generation and the time period that we live in is that we can diversify so well. So writing books has opened up a whole different world to me that I never knew. Hmm. Uh, yeah. I'm a podcast, Leadership Lean As. I, I just signed with an agent for UTA. Wow. It's not because I'm a pastor or a preacher or I'm an author. Yeah. Or I executive produced a movie. It's actually because of my podcast yeah. that I just signed an agent. So it's like, you realize how big your world can get when you take the gift that God has given you and you figure out the different streams of how that plays out. 
Yes, right. And it helps you continue to maximize that impact that you can have on the world. So you have a new book now, Chad. I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about what you want people to get from that book. And then also, where can we go find a copy? Well, you can find a copy on Amazon, of course, or anywhere books are sold. But the book, I'm so excited. It's called Help I Work With People. And I feel like the title is perfect for today's culture and climate. And what do we do with Karens? <laughs> what do we do with you know, today's, today's society? Help. Yeah. That's for all of us. Co-workers, family members, neighbors. I work with people. It happens to be a really good book uh, for this conversation as well. Yeah, right. Exactly. But, you know, I love the subtitle, Getting Good at Influence, Leadership, and People Skills. Again, we're talking about having influence. I think one of the things about influence is that you should always be gaining more influence, never losing your influence. And, and, and what is that? Gaining trust, gaining respect, leadership. How do we get good at leadership? We talked about what leadership is earlier. It's communication, it's influence. And then people skills. You know, my favorite book growing up was How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It was a textbook for me. I still go back and read it every single year. It's once a year reading list for me. And when I read people skills, from Dale Carnegie, I got inspired to write thank you notes. I got inspired to memorize people's names. I got inspired to treat people with respect. I learned these tricks of how to really win with people. And I just think if people are the greatest treasure on the earth, we should master people skills. Mm. We should get better at working with others. It's always interesting to me because these times that we're in in America, everyone is playing their part. It's almost like predictive text. Some people right now just have predictive behavior because people that don't play well with others right now, they are not playing well with others. And people that are peacemakers are doing their best to unify, not bring division, right. not bring criticism. We live in this cancel culture. Well, you can't be a great leader, a great business person, a great entrepreneur, and live your life canceling people you don't like. You gotta learn how to play well with others. Yeah. So I'm really excited about the book and I feel like it's right on time. Absolutely love that, man. If you're listening to this right now, you guys know the rule of thumb on the show is when we mention a book, you gotta go buy it right now so you don't forget about it. So make sure you go to stop whatever you're doing, go pick up a copy of Help I Work With People. Guys, if you're in the people business, which is literally every single one of you, you should go pick up a copy of this book and, and learn from some of the principles that Chad has used to- uh, Travis, this yes. is my first book that I don't use one scripture in. Got it. So I'm not gonna preach at you in this book. There is no scriptures- it's all leadership. Yeah, that's perfect for this audience. It's like, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this and, and uh, you don't resonate with some of the spirituality side of things, don't worry. Pick up a copy of this book anyway, because it doesn't talk about that. It talks about people in general. A little bit on my background, Chad, I grew up in a very small religious bubble type community in Southern California. And I went to Bible college and did the whole, you know, I graduated my degree, Bible, church ministries. And one thing that I've always taken away from my experience in the church is that the leadership, the ability to work with people, the ability to communicate with people properly. And one of the things that I would say that you do and a lot of other church leaders do a lot better than the way that I was raised is that you understand the importance of context. And you understand that if you're going to win with people in the long run, then you have to be you have to be able to work with people in the short term 
even if that means that you don't agree with them on certain things that you might live your life by. And just the fact that you can come onto a show like this and talk leadership and not feel like you have to talk about all this other stuff that you're called to talk about, like that by itself tells me that you're somebody that practices what you preach in terms of working with people and not having to bring all the other things up. You know what I mean? And so, and that, that's one of the things that ended up kind of driving me away from the way that the tight religious bubble that I was kind of raised in was the inability to communicate with anybody that disagreed with you. It just was a mind blowing aspect of that community to me and, uh, and made me question a lot of things and wonder about a lot of things. And so whenever I can talk with somebody like you, it's just a breath of fresh air. And I appreciate you for coming on the show, man. Um, I know that I want to be respectful of your time. Like I said, I know that you got some other things to get going to. So let's go ahead and move into the last segment here. Something I like to call the random round, just a few quick random questions, quick random answers. Ready? I'm ready to go. All right. What profession other than your own do you think that it would be fun to attempt? I would always love to be a DJ. I, I mean, it's been a dream to be a DJ one day. If you could sit on a park bench with someone, past or present, and chat for an hour, who would it be? Well, when you said park bench, I thought Forrest Gump right away. <laughs> but, but, uh, but of course, if I could sit on a park bench with anybody right now, it'd be Tiger Woods. How do you like to consume content? Books, audiobooks, blogs, podcasts, or videos? And then tell me one of your favorites of the mode that you choose. Well, I love YouTube. I love learning on YouTube. I love audiobooks as well. And right now I'm in a Simon Sinek and I think Infinite Games is just unbelievable content. So that's just one of my favorite new books that I've picked up recently. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. 6 a.m., wake up, get in my car, drive to Starbucks, order my coffee so that when I walk into Starbucks, I just pick it up, get back to my house, and I start to do all my reading and emails and just enjoy my time before the rest of my house wakes up. Yeah, before the chaos ensues, right? Yeah. What is your go-to pump-up song, Chad? Oh, well, my kids are into trolls right now, so you know we're on the trolls train right now. So we, you know, trolls just want to have fun. That's my song. <laughs> what is something putting putting aside professional career stuff what is just something in life that you're just generally not very good at wow i'm not good at working out i'm not good <laughs> at being the gym and being disciplined at all <laughs> all right what is one place as we wrap up here chad one place online where listeners can go to connect with you the most you go to zoechurch.org that'd be the place that you know all of our stuff is right there at our church website Perfect. Zoechurch.org. That's Z-O-E church.org. And you can also go pick up a copy of Chad's book like we already talked about or go follow him on Instagram. He's got some cool stuff over on Instagram. That's at Chad Veach over on Instagram. Chad, thank you so much for coming on the show today. My man had a fantastic time chatting with you. Thank you so much for having me, man. Best of luck. Well, that's it for today's show. If you want more advanced networking strategies, as well as an instant network upgrade, then consider partnering with my BYN Inner Circle Mastermind. There are already dozens of high quality entrepreneurs in the group. There's dozens of video lessons on networking. There's monthly calls, there's accountability crews and more, all for the low investment of just 99 bucks a month. So head over to byninnercircle.com to jump in. That's byninnercircle.com. Thanks so much for joining us on today's show. We'll see you next time. Remember to leave every relationship better than you found it.